Welcome to the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss important topics for buyers, sellers, and investors in the Toronto area real estate market. Here's your host, Randy Selzer. Hello, everybody. It's Randy Selzer here. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Gord Lemon is with us today. He's a very well-known real estate uh, personality. He has a training institute that's been in, in business for many years in the Toronto area and across Canada, and he's well-known in the industry for investors. So, Gord, welcome aboard. Thanks for being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Randy. Thanks for having me. No worries. No worries. So today we're going to talk a little bit about real estate investing, but for the benefit of our listeners, and I should mention that I have a mix. Uh, I have a lot of realtors that listen to this, but also members of the general public who are investors who are interested in investing in real estate, both residential and commercial. So, but tell us a little bit about your past. I know you've been in this business for a long time. Tell us who, who is Gord Lemon? Tell, tell us who, who you are. My start in real estate was Essentially, I came from the Toronto music business, and as I was doing that in the early stages of my career, when I was making under $20,000 a year as a, as a beginning musician in the Toronto scene, as it were, um, I thought to myself, I need a plan B. And and in terms of a plan B, meaning I need a pension somehow because I'm not really going to get a significant one in music. And so I was actually playing a house gig with this drummer who was becoming a financial planner. And he said, man, you'd be really good at being a financial planner. And that just didn't really resonate with me. But he just moved to Mississauga and he goes, you know what? I just bought from a builder and there's multiple phases here and it could be a great idea for you to maybe put up some money and, you know, do the speculation thing and get into real estate investing. And I thought, hmm, that does resonate with me. So I put up $15,000, which is hard to come by when you're making 20, right? right? So I put up $15,000. Long story short, the year went by. I'm a long-haired musician with, you know, I've got the mullet going on. You know, you can picture the whole thing. And <clears throat> I've got no credit to speak of at the time. Certainly don't have down payment qualification abilities. So I go to my dad. I go, hey, can you go on the, with, in, with me on this property? Because, you know what? I want to put tenants in it and create some passive income. And he went, uh, no, because I had no business experience and, you know, he he didn't really have the it was outside the of his uh, outside of his comfort zone. It was outside of his comfort zone. And he didn't really believe in my business acumen at the time. Uh -huh. And I don't blame him. I had to find an, a realtor to close the property on the day I had to close with the builder, which, thank goodness, long story short, happened. I made like forty thousand dollars now. If you can imagine making twice your salary in one go, that was a big windfall for me. So I'm thinking, <clears throat> man, I am a hotshot real estate investor. I'm going to roll the dice again on this and did it the second year, made about the same amount of money. And now, now I am just, you know, flush with money. So right. in the builder's final phase, I bought two properties in the same way, but I got caught in a downturn. Now, if you want to research, and I'm going to be dating myself here, the uh, crash in the GTA in 1989 
Oh man. And so I got caught holding these properties uh, because they certainly uh, weren't being built quickly enough for me to dispose of them as the market was plunging. So uh, I ended up losing money on both of these properties as I had to fire sale them. And I walked away licking my wounds going, what can I learn from this? And I learned that I was not that hotshot investor at all. I was a speculator. And as a speculator, you have no control over any aspect of the uh, the property or any aspect of being able to do anything with the property other than cross your fingers and hope that the appreciation trend continues. That's it. And it is essentially a one profit center model that is akin to rolling the dice at the casino. So I went and I got some training in real estate investing and US training was all that was in existence at the time, but it gave me the confidence to start going out and building a portfolio of rental properties. And at the time, and again, I'm dating myself, you could put 5% down with a 40-year amortization on non-owner-occupied properties at the time. And I didn't know how good I had it, but I was buying properties. Um, and these were mostly southern southwestern Ontario properties, a lot in Hamilton. And these were fourplexes at about $120,000 to $140,000. And so 5% down on that was affordable, right? So that's how my real estate investing began. And then I ended up doing flips and moving to Detroit and doing a bunch of flips in the Detroit area, not downtown, but in the surrounding cities. I'm just going to say you're a brave um, man. Wow. No. And those worked out well. I was buying property from foreclosure, fixing them up and then um, and then selling them. And I was able to buy them for under 50000 put about 10 to 20 into them and then sell them for a hundred or just maybe 90 to a hundred thousand. Nice. Um, and that was a model that was actually working uh, for some time. As I kept doing this, I got a phone call from a guy who is creating a Canadian real estate investing training company. And he, I met him in my first training because he was one of the instructors at this U under this U S uh, training platform. So I, uh, quickly got signed on as a trainer for this person because they saw that I was actually doing what they taught, which was quite frankly, a lot of people don't do that. So um, anyway, so they called me and I started training people and I realized how much I'd love to do that and share my experience and mentor them and help other people build their portfolios. And as time went on, I created my own company. I continued to work for some US gurus. Um, then I started working for this company that um, at the time, just after the crash in 2008 in the US, well, the Canadian dollar was at par. People in the States didn't wanna hear that real estate was a four letter word to them. So they didn't wanna hear that word. And it was really ripe for the picking. I bought an eightplex for uh, 20,000, 22,000 a door, which was amazing. And, and there was other amazing, great deals down there. So we were teaching Canadians to uh, how the US you know, protocol worked in terms of purchasing, et cetera, and then taking them there on, well, we'd fly to different destinations and take them on bus tours to, to purchase. 
which was really amazing. And I got to kind of piggyback on that. And I was able to, after a couple of weeks after the tours, if nobody, you know, bid on a property that we were able to do that. So I was able to acquire more property that way, which was great and learn the US system at the same time, which was very enlightening. But here's the one thing, and I know this is a very long-winded answer, Randy, but yeah, um, I created the Real Estate Investment Institute. In fact, it was rebranded recently, but um, it's gone through a couple different names. I created this training because um, I used to, you know, I had my own company training people to become real estate investors. And I would tell them, well, the first thing you need to do is build a team. And of course, one of the most important people on your team, if not the most important person, is your realtor to find you great deals. I know I'd had issues with realtors in every city that I built a team in. And I realized that the same thing was happening with everybody. In fact, I went, and I'm, I'm, I know this is would be the same uh, experience for any real estate investor going out there in the marketplace to find a great realtor to work with, is that most realtors didn't know what I was talking about. And that became apparent when I said, do you work with investors? And they said, of course I do. And I go, okay, great. And I would give them my investment criteria, the property, you know, price point, geographical area, um, you know, uh, expected ROI, cash flow, et cetera. And they go, yep. And then I get put on a drip campaign, get sent properties. And I'm like, well, these make no sense consistently, they would send me properties that made no sense. And so I'd phone back up and I go, you know, none of these make any money, right? You know that. And they're like, what do you mean? They've got, they're tenanted. Oh, so that's your criteria. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So I realized that there was a huge gap in knowledge because no offense to the realtor, they're just not taught that in their licensing program, right? Uh, so You know, Gord, that is so true. And it's still true today. It is still true today in 2023. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a niche that needs to be filled. And so I took it upon myself and I'm not patting myself on the back. I was just, just had the gumption to do it. Realtors need to understand the language of real estate investing, understand how to do property analysis, et cetera, in order and understand the strategies that investors use in order to be able to speak that language, speak on the same level, because you don't want your client, as a realtor, you don't want your client to be the smartest guy in the room. That's no good, right? right. So consequently, I started this program and the, the curriculum's gone through a number of connotations over the years of improving, but I found a great reception to this information. And as a result, we are finding that 25%, not only are agents doing more deals, which goes without saying, because it's an untapped vertical where over 20% of all transactions are happening, by the way, but it trans this, the information transcends through your whole business as a realtor. You're able to have wealth building conversations with everybody that you know. And it has come to... Uh, our attention that 25% of all the agents that go through the training become investors themselves. So well, I'm going to say, I'm going to say something here. I'm going to break in a little bit. I've yeah. taken your course. I think you, you, you probably know I've taken your course and yes. it was amazing, an amazing course, very, very in-depth uh, covering uh, a period of time over several weeks. 
And I have to admit, you're you're filling that niche. You're you're absolutely uh, because you're right. There's no training when you get your real estate license. They don't train you about stuff like that at all. Yeah. So, yep, I give you full marks on that. And I'm just going to say that we're going to leave uh, links to your site absolutely underneath the video today and also on the podcast. So, um, right. So you're so right. And especially in places like the greater Toronto area and the greater Vancouver area, there's been a lot of investing activity over the past few years. The market's changed a bit, but I think fundamentals are still there. There's still these cities, especially Vancouver, Toronto are like magnets uh, for investment, for money and for people from around the world. And a lot of people have made a lot of money uh, up to now and including now. Uh, in, in real estate, in all kinds of real estate. One of the things that I really appreciated about your course uh, is that it went into uh, the fact that there are a number of different uh, profit centers, a number of different ways to make money through investing in real estate. And I thought that was fascinating. It's something that a lot of people maybe don't think about, that there's different profit centers that exist in any investment property. Would Could you go into a little bit about that, about how, how there are different profit centers, different ways of making money on, on real yeah, estate investment? Absolutely. Well, generally speaking, a lot of investors buy residential rental property. But this, what I'm about to say about the profit centers, obviously that goes into owning commercial property, et cetera. But there's up to eight profit centers in holding rental real estate. And part of that starts with the first profit center being instant equity. Instant equity, as the term kind of denotes, is buying properties that are potentially under market value. Now, everybody could be going, well, come on, there's no properties under market value. I can assure you that if you know where to look, where to dig, there are distressed situations out there in any market, whether the market's going up or down, whether it's expensive or not expensive, because people get into situations and they need money fast. And in no way am I suggesting here that we take advantage of anybody. I wanna stress that highly, sure. Sure. that uh, a win-win scenario can be created. And I have done it on numerous occasions, help people out of, being in power of sale or foreclosure or what have you. And they walk away happy because their, their problem is solved. And as a result, I get a bit of a deal on the property. So you're building in equity on your way in. Building it, getting instant equity doesn't necessarily mean getting a great deal on the property. The other um, aspect of this is understanding that maybe you're buying a property with the potential uh, of, of a high upside right away that isn't necessarily part of the appreciation trend. What I'm referring to is maybe there's a revitalization project or an upcoming transit line or a new factory going in somewhere or the zoning is gonna be changed. And these things will naturally increase the value of the property. Knowing that information when somebody else doesn't is to one's advantage. So that's one of the profit centers. The second one um, is leverage. Now, while leverage isn't necessarily a way to make money, it's a way to actually uh, leverage uh, your, your wealth, build net worth. So for instance, if an investor had 
let's say a million dollars. And they bought one property and they bought a property worth a million dollars. That means that they own a property with no mortgage with a million dollars of capital in it. But by the same token, if one were to put $200,000 down on five $1 million properties, now they're controlling $2.5 million worth of real estate. So that's how leverage can immediately help uh, scale an investor's portfolio. Um, the next one is obviously something that everybody's heard about, which is cash flow, which is the lifeblood of any business. And every business needs cash flow to survive. And if you think of a, a property as a little mini business, that has to produce cash flow. And by cash flow, I mean the money that's left over every month after the rent is taken in and the mortgage payment is paid and the expenses are paid on the property. It's spendable money, if you will, after remaining after each month. Uh, the next profit center is such an important one, which is a mortgage or principal pay down of the mortgage. As an investor takes in the rent from the tenants, that mortgage payment can be paid. And with every mortgage payment, there's a principal portion and an interest portion. Now, obviously, the interest portion goes to the, the bank or the lender for renting you their money, if you will. But the principal portion gets paid down over time. And as any mortgage is um, designed, you're paying with every payment, you're paying more interest and less principal. And as the amortization continues, that there's a juxtaposition ultimately there where you're paying, continuing to pay more principal over time. And so that is such a huge factor in the ability for investors to profit over time because of that mortgage pay down aspect. The next profit center is appreciation. Now there's two forms of appreciation. One is the natural appreciation that simply comes from holding property over time. And I'd like to say that that should never be the sole reason for purchasing an investment property. In my personal uh, opinion, is it needs to generate cash some other way and that the appreciation factor is the cherry on the Sunday when the property gets sold. But it also factors in to reinvestment, which I'll talk about in a second. The other appreciation factor is forced appreciation which can be done by simply buying a tired property and beautifying it, which would immediately increase the property's value, uh, having a zoning change on the property and increasing the density can all be directly attributed to forcing the value of that property or forcing the appreciation. Um, the next one is tax advantages. Now, someone, I'm and I'm quoting, I don't know who I'm quoting actually, but the the quote is it's not how much money you make it's how much money you keep and oh yeah the amount you keep is due to the tax advantages that owning uh, investment property affords you so there's many tax deductible expenses on owning a property and as we're talking about taxes i have to say you have to consult with your tax professional on this and these um, tax advantages that are part of the tax code, well, they're changing all the time, right? So uh, anything that one says today on this, you can deduct this or what have you, well, that could be gone tomorrow. So just know that there are certainly tax advantages to owning 
investment property. And then the last one is reinvestment. And there's I find there's two aspects of reinvestment. Number one is reinvesting uh, to scale your business. So using the monopoly method, if you will, of owning those four greenhouses and then going, hey, I want to scale up and buy the big red hotel or the big multiplex, right? So, so using the profits from selling property into buying more property. And the other aspect of that is re refinancing. And refinancing is using the uh, a couple other the profit centers, uh, certainly the appreciation factor and the mortgage pay down and understanding that the, as your as your mortgage goes down and the appreciation goes up, while well, you're creating a margin there, that's all profit. Well, you can tap into that profit just like you can on you know your own principal residence, be able to refinance that property, thus being able to pull out capital and utilize that for you know the down payment, closing costs, and renovation or what have you on your next, next property. So there you have it, the profit centers that are so important in real estate investing and so often overlooked. I was just going to say a lot of people, they know they want to invest in something. They've got a little cash set aside. They're ready to do it, but they don't realize it's not just, it's not just capital gain or it's not just cash flow or it's not just uh, a fixer upper. There's all sorts of different strategies where you can, you can pull money out of that investment and it's worked very well for a lot of people for many years now. Amazing. Absolutely. Pro profit centers in real estate investing. Not bad, Thanks. Gord. Not bad. I'm <laughs> impressed. Okay. That's what got me hooked. Actually. I remember when I took the course, that was, I believe in the first lesson. And that was just, it's like, wait a minute. By the, when we, when we factor it out and we look at all these different ways that you can make money in real estate, uh, there's a lot going on there. there now is. I'm going to go off. I'm going to go off script a little bit here because we are, it's uh, right now it's sort of mid-year 2023 when we're recording this. And the market in Toronto, and I'm going to include Vancouver because they're so similar, uh, and in Canada in general has been so strong for so long. Uh, we've had, we seem to, there was like a pause for a while when interest rates started going up. Then they, then the Bank of Canada said, oh, we're going to keep them steady for a while. But then they went up again a quarter point. Uh, what would you make of this as, as a, a, a full-time investor? Somebody who is, has been doing this for many years, um, would you... Would, would you pause at this point or are there opportunities out there right now? If you were looking to invest, would you buy in Toronto right now or would you go to a smaller place? Would you go to Sarnia or, or you know, mm. some smaller town or some, some place in Alberta? A lot of people are looking in Alberta right now. Uh, right. Is, there the, is there flexibility there for people who, let's say, live in the GTA uh, where they can look further afield and find better deals? Well, that's a great question, Randy. And someone, and I'm quoting somebody, some other person that's smarter than me, who said, live where you want and invest where the numbers make sense. And this, just that mere quote makes yeah. you think, well, that makes so much sense. I love where I live, but the numbers maybe not be jiving with me or the affordability there is not, you know, I, I can't afford anything, but I can afford something in New Brunswick or or, you know, or Alberta or, you know, Saskatoon or whatever, right? Yeah. Someplace yeah. that has more moderate pricing, you know, finding an agent there that understands investment real estate and can provide cash flowing properties, if that's what your strategy is, 
Um, and, you know, there's property management everywhere and simply getting good referrals on all of these things, having a, a good referral for a handyman, et cetera, or a contractor yes. or what have you. Yes. All of these factors can be done from, you know, your office in Toronto as you're buying property in New Brunswick or, you know, somewhere in Alberta or Saskatchewan or what have you. So there are people that are doing it there. There are investors that are investing from Toronto all over Canada. Yes, so especially it, now. Clear, yes. Yeah. And it's clear that it can be done. So you need to take confidence in that fact that it can be done. So, and conversely, there could be somebody that is from out of town or out of country yes. that calls you, Randy, and says, hey, you know, got your number as a referral and I'm looking to buy property in your area, right? So, you know, these or things- That is going on today all the time. There are people sure. from other parts of the world. And again, not to go back to Toronto, Vancouver, but we, we seem to have an attraction to people from places like the Middle East, from Dubai, from other countries that are, are well-developed yeah. and they got lots of money. They got yeah. lots of money. And when they look at our prices here, they think, you know what? It's pretty good. It's pretty affordable. Exactly. And so it is, it, can you imagine? And, but that there's a lot of that going on. There really is. Um, I guess it's a problem. We, uh, I mean, as a born and raised Canadian, and I know you are too, a lot of people in the GTA or the GBA um, say, you know, it's so expensive here. Nobody can afford anything, but there are lots of people out there that can afford it. They absolutely can. And so it's it's really a problem of success that we're dealing with. You know, there's plenty of places where that are depressed pricing, and um, well, that's a, that's probably a subject for another another day because um, I'll, not to pick on the city of Cleveland, but you know, you could you could buy a house in certain places in the U.S. where it costs almost nothing, but there's a reason for that. Now there could be when you go back to those profit centers. I'm thinking maybe there are reasons to invest in places like Cleveland. Nothing against Cleveland and the good people of Cleveland, but maybe there, you know, maybe the cash flow is easy to have positive cash flow there. I don't know. That's an area I don't know. But again, if we go back to this idea that there's this vast universe of things that you can do in investing, and it's not just you don't have to buy downtown on, uh, you know, Bay Street or something. You you can buy anywhere. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. So yes, we do have that. There's people from all around the world calling all the time, and they want to come to Canada. I guess it's not for the weather, but yeah, they want it. They but want to invest here. Yeah. It's to park their money somewhere that they feel is secure and safe. Can you give me, oh, okay. Now you mentioned New Brunswick a couple of times off the top of your head. Now we won't hold you to this, but uh, what's, what are two places that you would say are very attractive locations right now to be looking for investment, whether it's commercial or residential, just, and we won't hold you to that. But if you were throwing a, a, a pin at the map, uh, you know, what's what's a couple of places off the top of your head where that might be a, an attractive location? Well, my disclaimer here is I haven't done a ton of economic research. So I want to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. I know I'm you sorry. are. Yeah. So I'm going to deflect this a bit by saying this. I'm used to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a politician by just randomly answering another question. I'm telling you that I'm deflecting this. So all right. Okay. <laughs> But here's the thing, places to purchase investment real estate all come down to economics and that stems, the root of that is jobs. Are people going there to work? Is it a, a one, uh, you know, a, a one horse town 
with one factory, I don't recommend that. But is there a number of major employers that are employing people who are gainfully employed that can be your tenants? You really have to think on a kind of a red light, green light kind of thing. Are people moving there? And if they are, why is it? And how sustainable is that? And, and or are people moving away from there? Because why? Because there's lack of jobs. So, you know, I know there's people in Vancouver that they can't afford to live there anymore. So they're moving to Alberta, et cetera, that there's a, True. you know, there's an exodus from there. Well, the people in Alberta are going, sure, come on Great. here. Right. And the, and real estate investors are able to capitalize on housing those people who are, you know, who are renters. Um, so that's how everybody should look at whatever city that you're looking at. You need to be looking at those factors. Are people staying there because of jobs, because of lifestyle, because of they can afford to live there and they enjoy living there, right? That Those are the key factors. So naming towns won't do anybody any good. It's really doing that research because that right. town that I name right now, next week could be, you know, a bust. Well, okay, that's that's very good, very good, man. Um, people are also investing internationally from Canada. Yeah. I was in the last week. I just anecdotally here, I talked to two people. One is a lawyer here in Toronto who is moving to Costa Rica. She's having a house built in Costa Rica. And then I just had lunch with somebody yesterday who's in the real estate industry who bought a place in the Dominican Republic. Mm. So, and they're, they're just, they're not leaving, but they're parking their money in these paradises, I guess you could say. And, you know, on the beach kind of stuff. Do you think that's a, a, a worthwhile uh, strategy to look at where you might only live there for a couple months of the year, but then you've got a property manager renting it out. And some of the numbers this guy yesterday was telling me for his place in, in Dominican, they're tremendous cash flow because when they're not there, they're renting it out. They have a property manager. Everything's taken care of tremendous money. And it's in us dollars, the rentals yes. that they're getting. Is yes. that, is that something that it worth taking a look at? Or is that just more of a, you know, an ego thing where, yeah, I got a house in Dominican Republic. Are, are there are there possibilities in those tropical places too? Absolutely there are. And I can speak to that personally because I have property in Mexico. The buy-in is cheaper. You get more, way more house for the dollar, number one. The cost of living is, and I know this in Mexico because I can speak to this, is half to you know, a third less than living in Canada, closer probably to a half. In the tourist areas, you know, you're able to charge a pretty good dollar for Airbnb or whatever uh, right. you use for for that. The beauty of that system is you're, you don't have, and some of people have long-term tenants, but the tenancy laws are not the same as in Ontario or BC or what have you, right? So you're not okay. dealing with, the 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 tenant friendly environment right okay so it's very investor friendly um because these are basically short-term rentals and the cash flow can be very good and in fact in mexico depending on where you want to keep your money but the peso is extraordinarily strong oh. um, mexico's gdp 
has been consistently higher recently than both the U.S. or Canada. And that both the U.S. dollar and Canadian dollar are waning significantly against the peso. So. Um, Interesting, man. Interesting. Yeah. Plus, you don't have to shovel snow. Right. No. When when you're down there and it's January and you know back home there's three feet of snow, and you're on the beach having a pina colada, man. Interesting stuff. Well, that's a topic for another day. Maybe we could talk about Indeed. sometime. Um, listen. So that's great. I appreciate you telling us about the 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 various profit centers uh, in real estate investing, and I hope that gave people some things to think about. That it's not just a single strategy. There's all sorts of ways to benefit from this. And uh, I know your course is amazing. I've taken it and graduated from it. And it's just, it's like an encyclopedia of stuff that people can use. Now, is that open to just realtors or real estate professionals? Or can an investor who's not a realtor take the course as well? Yeah, absolutely. An investor can take it. And we've had mortgage brokers go through the training as well. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great, man. That's great. Yeah. Gord, it's such a pleasure to have finally have you on board the uh, podcast today, and you're welcome to come back anytime, man, anytime. So uh, thanks again for being here, Gord Lemon, and we appreciate it. And uh, you have a great day. We'll talk again soon. Bye. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Randy. Okay. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast. Follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out our main website at randyselzer.com for much more valuable info on the Canadian real estate scene.